This is your city. This is your city wants to know. We want to know the background, the heartbeat of what makes up our beautiful cities. We dig into the backstories from the struggles to the successes of our local entrepreneurs, small business owners, artists, not-for-profit organizations, and the many, many people who make up the intricate tapestry of our communities. Real people, real stories, by you and for you. But wait, that's not it. I love giving my opinion. Just ask anyone who knows me. We can't get enough of the honest, gritty feedback of places that we spend our hard-earned money. I'll give you the good, the bad, and the ugly of the places I eat, sleep, and visit. Disclaimer, my opinion, my opinion only. All right, so come on, let's get to it. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land, social media land, wherever you are, wherever you're, whether you're watching the video of this or listening to the audio, welcome and hello. This is me, Kim, the host of This Is Your City. And I just wanted to put it out there right away. I know I kind of disappeared for a little while. And I apologize for that to a degree. You know, I've had people asking me if I was going to continue with the podcast, if I gave up. You know, in 2020, the whole entire world decided to do podcasts. So like many of the others, some people thought it was just too much and I, I gave it up. But... That is not why I was kind of on a hiatus. And today's podcast, it is actually the first episode of season two. I thought I would come on and be a little bit real and honest with you and tell you why I kind of went AWOL. It's a little more personal than just got overwhelmed or busy or life got in the way. And I hope you allow me a few minutes to get real and kind of makes me sweat a little bit. I'm kind of like nervous because, you know, allowing people in, in such an emotional and sensitive and deeply personal subject can be daunting, but I think it's time. And I think with everything going on in the world, I'm pretty positive that so many of you can identify. So let's talk about it. (laughs) Depression. It's a thing, it's real. And in 2020, I kind of allowed it to get the best of me. And it was such a weird year because 2020 was one of my best years. And yet, oh my gosh, it was one of my worst years. So much into one. And I think that compounded into into my depression just knowing I had everything and how much I had just accomplished. And yet I was just falling deeper and deeper. And depression, as many of you know, it really is a taboo subject. I know it's coming more and more to light, you know, a couple of years ago with Let's Talk and, you know, many superstars and, and athletes and stuff coming forward to talk about mental illness. And it's, it's coming more to light, but it's still kind of a taboo subject. And I think the reason is because it makes us feel uncomfortable because we don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. We're kind of out of control, if you will, when somebody that we know and love is struggling. 
And so people kind of back off because we just don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. I'm not going to get into all the details, but I thought it would be a perfect time to come back, start the podcast season two, and start talking to people about mental illness and how they have suffered through it, brought themselves out of it, how this lockdown, this world pandemic has impacted their mental health, children, adults, seniors, companies. So in the next few episodes coming up, we're going to be talking to some people about that. So I hope you tune in. And I I really believe many of you out there can relate or you know somebody, you love somebody who may be going through or came out of the same sort of situations. For me, so this podcast, this episode is absolutely nothing to do with religion, so don't turn off. But if you think that the subject of depression is taboo, try being a Christian woman who's depressed. Now that's a taboo subject. It's rarely talked about, rarely talked about. And so I'm really pushing the envelope coming out and forward speaking about this. But after speaking to a few other people, fellow believers, and they too have gone through or going through some of the same things, I felt, I just felt a little relieved because we all need to know that we're not alone. I know it feels like that. When you're in the depth of that hard, dark hole, it is the most loneliest place you could ever find yourself. There's not even a lot of words to explain. And to some of you, I don't have to, because you'll probably be going, yep, yep. You know, we know we shouldn't be there. We shouldn't be in this hole. But we are. But we are. And many well-meaning people, and I mean it, like people I love, well-meaning people try to say the right things, but they get it wrong. And maybe some of you can, can contest to this, you know, the saying everybody's heard of, this too shall pass. Yeah, I know. I know it's going to pass. But I'm in it. And when you're in it, you don't know for sure if it's really going to pass because it might take you or you might allow it to take you. So this too shall pass. Please, I'm asking you to not say that to somebody who's who's struggling with mental illness. You know, I've even had people say to me, what do you have to be depressed about? You have everything in life. You have a beautiful home, a family, a job, two cars in your garage. Well, not in the garage, that's way too full. But in the, in the driveway, you know, all of that is true. All of that is true. And so that compounds the guilt. And it just brings you deeper into that hole. Because not that these well-meaning people are trying to make you feel guilty. But it does. What do you have to be depressed about? You have everything. Yeah, I do. And, you know, it just makes it worse. And. I even had somebody say to me, I wouldn't allow that darkness into my life. You just can't allow it. You got to get rid of it. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. But how? How? People have told me that I need to pray more, that I don't have enough faith, that I don't trust in my God enough. And that compounds the guilt because I do trust in my God. 
I do love and have faith. But when you're in that dark hole, it's, it's a struggle. And if you've never struggled like that, and I pray you don't, it's almost impossible to get out. It feels like that. In your mind, you go into this dark place that, that's not logical. It makes no sense. And the conversation that I was having with myself, the dialogue back and forth was so toxic. It was poisonous. How often the enemy within me was telling me I wasn't worthy, I wasn't good enough. You know, how dare I even think of talking to people on a podcast? How dare I even think of, of teaching and speaking or pursuing anything to do with chaplaincy or teaching God's word? How dare you? Even well-meaning people have said those things to me. And it, it made me crash. You know, <laughs> I call it illegal prayers. I found myself praying illegal prayers. And, and let me tell you what I think, what I mean when I say that word. I started praying for things that I know were against God's will. Was it in God's plan? But I was praying for it earnestly. I just didn't want to be here anymore. You know, I, I'm just going to be real. <sighs> My marriage was in complete turmoil complete turmoil and I've been struggling this with for a while and I just feel at that moment I just didn't know what else to do I just reached bottom I was the biggest failure I just failed at my marriage I failed with my stepchildren with my my, my daughter you know it was in my head it didn't matter my daughter didn't know whether I was alive or dead anyway Everybody is so stuck in their own life, in their own world. You know, my husband was just so in himself trying to figure things out. He didn't know what to do or how to do it. And that just compounded me into my depression. You know, and so I would find myself praying at night. I'd go to bed. And I know this sounds a little overdramatic and ridiculous, but as I mentioned, when you're in this deep spot, it's not always logical thinking. But I would go to bed at night and I'd get in and I'd put the covers just right. Like I'd tuck myself in and I'd lay there, make sure my pillow's just right. And I even made sure that I had the proper night attire clothing because in the morning when the Lord decided to take me, it wouldn't be so embarrassing or gruesome for my family when they found me because every night I'd pray take me God take me home I'm done here I have no more purpose I'm not serving you I'm not serving the people I'm not serving my marriage there's nothing left for me here I have no reason just take me home and I would pray that earnestly every night and that's what I mean by an illegal prayer and so I would get into that bed, tuck myself in, everything, make sure everything was right. I even put, made sure there was a space next to my bed. So when they had to come and get me, they had room. And then I'd wake up. And I would be so disappointed. And I would cry. 
because I woke up and that was not part of my plan. It was a, a downward spiral and it's so hard because I'm such a happy, bubbly person. I'm such a bold person and you got to put on 10 masks and they get so weary and heavy after a while. So nobody in the real world would know that I was suffering so deeply. And I don't blame my past because my past doesn't define who I am today. I know that. But the reality is I have been surrounded by depression my entire life. Almost every single member of my family has been clinically diagnosed with depression. Suicides, I mean, it's, it's all been there. I don't want that to define me. I don't, that is not who I am. I, that is not who I am. And so, you know, every morning I wake up, <laughs> finally, I just got to a point. It's like, fine, fine, you're not going to take me. Then what, what do you, what do you want from me? You know, and I liken it to every one of us has probably seen a child having a, a tantrum, <laughs> Right. And, and they just, they cry and they wail and scream and they sweat. And it's real emotion to that child having that tantrum. And to everybody looking on, it's just like, okay, are you done yet? You know, and they just wait. And I like it like that with me and God. <laughs> so I, I'd come, I'd wake up, okay, fine. You're not going to take me? You ever see those kids after they're so exhausted after their tantrum that they sometimes just fall asleep in their own tears? That's kind of where I was. And, and it was like God was just there holding me, waiting for me to finish, waiting to get a word in edgewise, waiting to explain, waiting to love me. And I was just so caught up in my own pity parties. And, and it's tough. It's like clawing your way out of this, this cave, this dark spot. And what is a dark spot? I mean, it's different for everybody. But it is lonely, the isolation. And you could be around a million people that love you. The loneliness just creeps in. It's self, self-loathing, self-hate. It's a feeling of extreme uselessness, no matter what people say. And it's... Imagine yourself clawing your way out of this dark well or this cave or this hole and you're trying so hard every time you get a foot up and your nails claw into the earth, you start sliding down and you just, you just can't give up. You know, it, it almost feels hopeless. It really, really does. And you just want it all to end. And the reason I'm kind of sharing some of this with you without getting into detail is I want you to know that you're not alone. Although I can't understand your pain and your struggle, just like you can't understand mine, because we each walk in our own shoes, our own path, our own journey. We can empathize with one another. We can understand to a degree and be there for one another. Just to say, I'm here. Just to be there, not to try and fix it for you, because we can't. You're not alone and there's always hope. I promise you there's always hope. And let me also add this. Never be ashamed to reach out for help. Professional help. Never be ashamed of reaching out for help. And if need be, 
if need be. Don't let anybody shame you. I think I've mentioned this before. If you feel that it's the right thing for you to take medication, don't be shamed. Especially those in the Christian circle, don't let anybody shame you. And I won't get into how, you know, for me, for me personally, this is my truth. So don't, don't get offended. I do turn to my driving force, which is my belief in my, in my, my faith. And when I came out and I said, okay, fine, I can't live this way anymore. God, what do you want me to do? You know, I started making steps to eliminate all of these things of negativity in my life. But here's the problem with that. When you're in it, absolutely everything is the problem. And so I decided I was just going to do what seemed like the easiest thing. And I was leave my husband. I had really had enough this time. And, you know, I started taking steps. And I sat down with my husband telling him I can't take it. And we're both struggling in our own way. So we can't hear each other. We can't see each other. We can't have empathy for one another. But for us, because our driving force is our faith, the center of each of us, it's our faith. We knew we couldn't give up. And so we're working on it. For me, it's my faith. I go to God. I just surrender myself over and over again. For you, I don't know what that would be. But I want to talk about it. I want to I want to stop such taboo. Everybody's talking about it. I want to talk about it. Not because everybody's talking about it, but it's so real and it's so prevalent and it's more and more. And ever since COVID and this lockdown and isolation, you know, some people are stuck at home, which should be their safe spot. And it's anything but. And then there's some people who, who have to go out into the world and they're stressed about that. And they'd rather be home safe. I don't know what it is for you. But in the next couple weeks, we're going to speak to a few different people on how they're struggling, how they're managing, how, how they're getting out of this and advice they can have, what works for them, diet, exercise, prayer, meditation. But there you have it. Thank you for allowing me to be a little bit, maybe too intimate with you in my story. I saved you a lot of the details. Maybe I will have a an episode and talk about it. You know, I think I will. I will talk about it. I will talk about the struggles of marriage, the struggles of blended families, and all of these things. We will talk about. We will talk about them because they're real, and so many people find themselves in that struggle. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. You know, reach out. Make some comments. If you too have been struggling, let's talk about it. And coming up, we're also going to talk to some people, one in particular I'm very excited about. They're going to talk about, they have this youth zone. And during the lockdown and the isolation, the devastation it put on some of these kids who depended on this youth zone, whose mental health depended on this and what what struggles they saw with the kids in the neighborhood who needed these outlets. 
and how now that we're not into this, we're in like the gray zone, I think. I don't even know these colors. They're allowed to have more children and, and high school students come in. We're going to talk about what's next and how we can maybe prevent this from happening again with this mental health and lockdown. So join us again. Thank you for tuning in to This Is Your City. Welcome to season two. And everybody, stay safe. Ciao.